Good morning, everybody, and happy Sabbath. For, for those of you viewing online, welcome. We are going to finish the series. It's kind of been a mini-series that we've done on the end of time prophecy. And today we're going to close out with the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I know, I hope all of you, all of us are looking forward to that day. I know there have been many prayer requests. I mean, uh, look at the shape our world is in. And not only that, for our global, that I ask you to pray for the, the wisdom for our leaders as, as our nation, as our local leaders, for the leaders of our church, for the leaders of our conference, and I know that God, as we, we start to come back together, because next Sabbath we hope to be in full service, as we come back together, um, we need to ask for the Lord's protection around us, that no one gets sick or ill. And because the devil would like nothing more than to hinder us and our work as spreading the gospel. So I urge you, for those of you watching online, for those of you um, starting up your worship services, to keep in your prayers, the protection. I also want to pray for those who are sick in our congregation. I know there's Harold Gentry that still needs our prayers, and there's other members um, out there that, that need prayer that are struggling physically. So uh, let's always remember that. Um, we will be, I know the communication, friends, for this Sabbath was a little uh, jumbled up, and uh, we will be meeting as a church board this week, and we will get out very clear communication to our church family about the process moving forward. So I apologize for those of you who got caught up in the blender of information that happens now and then. Um, as far as possible, wherever you may be uh, on this planet um, or with us today, I ask that you please bow your heads as we have a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we come to you with grateful hearts. Grateful that we can uh, worship with you wherever we may be, that we can uh, bow our heads and use technology to, to gain a blessing. I pray that you please hear the prayer request of each heart. We pray for those in need of healing physically, for those in need of healing spiritually and mentally as well. This is a difficult time for all of those levels. I humbly ask that you please take me out of this message that you fill me with your spirit and that your words are spoken and not my own. I pray that you awaken our hearts to receive you and to realize that these things are happening in our lifetime and that we realize that you are even at the door. Please help us to be ready when you come. Please change our hearts from within and please prepare us to meet a God that will love and care for us for all eternity. We ask and pray humbly now that you drive out evil angels around us in our presence and that you fill our areas with your Holy Spirit and that you lead and guide us into all truth. I humbly ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Since I have been a little child, my dad is a retired minister. I have heard sermons on the second coming. And uh, as a child, I don't know about you, but... Um, uh, everybody's heard about the little black cloud coming and it, as it gets bigger and bigger and draws near the earth. And sometimes as a child, I've looked up into the sky and wondered about that little cloud getting nearer and nearer to the earth. Um, there's a lot of misinformation out there on the coming of Jesus Christ and how it's going to happen. And the reason why we need to understand how it's going to happen is because there is two comings. 
There is a false coming of someone who claims to be Christ, and there is a real coming of someone who is Christ. And if we don't understand that difference now, we are going to be in danger of falling for the wrong coming. Dear friends, we need to be prepared to meet the real king. Jesus Christ is the real king. And uh, Satan longs to destroy, but he cannot. Now, in our last meeting that we had, Brian Heinemann presented to you about the United States and Bible prophecy. And as we look at that and, and we saw the, the tumultuous time on planet Earth, it doesn't take a lot of uh, imagination for you to consider with all of the destruction, with all of the earthquakes, with everything that is happening around us, uh, what shape the Earth is going to be in when Jesus comes back. And so as I was preparing, and I will put the notes, because I've been working with Pastor Bate, who's on vacation, and he definitely needs a vacation, we're glad. But we've been working together, and he gave me some notes on this as well, which is very helpful. But if you have your Bibles, most people don't turn to this, but it's James chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 8, because we're going to pick up at this picture before we get into our study. It says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl. For your miseries that are coming upon you, your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived on earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have commended, uh, condemned. You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Verse 7, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it is received the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Some very vital truths here. As you see the mentality of the end of time, you see that no matter what happens on this earth, people are still trying to make money and get rich at the expense of other people. People are still trying to live for everything on this planet. And it says that, that for those of us, we might be condemned and we might be murdered. And it says, but the just does not resist. Dear friends, the reason we don't resist on this earth is because we have a better earth coming. They can take our life physically here, but they cannot take our eternal life. It's so important. It says, therefore, be patient. We've been patient a long time. I've heard this message a long time. 2,500 times in the Bible, the second coming is mentioned. 2,500 times. Jesus is trying to tell us something. And when he says, be patient, we've been patient. But as we see these signs happening, suddenly I hope there's a fire that is kindled in your heart to help you realize Jesus is coming soon. He's not going to stay hidden. He's going to answer. And what we need to realize now is he poured out the, the, the rain on the disciples at the start of the church under persecution power. All the disciples but one died a martyr. 
But Jesus poured out his spirit. He's not going to lead us all the way to the second coming on an empty tank. He's going to bring out the Holy Spirit and pour out the latter rain in order to fill up our tank so we can go all the way through to heaven. And the most important thing we can do now is to be ready to meet him, to be ready to receive the Holy Spirit now, because if we don't prepare now, it will pass us by. We can't go through the end of time on an empty tank. It is important and vital that we understand that the coming of the Lord is at hand. I'm going to go into some question and answer um, uh, here um, pattern. The pastors use this. It's a teaching format. And uh, there's a lot of Bible texts, and I will put this handout online uh, probably by tomorrow, so you're welcome to download it and read it. And I want you to listen. You're welcome to follow along your Bibles, but I'm going to be going through at a pretty rapid rate. Now, that being said, I'm the person who, no matter what denomination you are, no matter where you are on this planet, I think you need to test every minister by the Word of God, because it doesn't really matter my opinion God's opinion matters the most. God's law, God's word, that is our standard. So John's opinion is not not that vital. God's opinion is vital and important. Okay, question. Who is the one who will soon emerge from the temple in heaven? In Revelation 14, 14, it says, And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head golden crown. Note, when Christ's work as a high priest is completed, he will remove his priestly clothing, Leviticus 16.24, and don his kingly garb when he comes to gather his children. Dear friends, as we can tell by the signs on earth that that work that Christ is doing now, he's about ready to put on his kingly garments. Now, this should not make us afraid because we have Jesus as our advocate and our judge. The court is stacked in our favor. This is good, friends. You really want the court stacked in your favor. Friends, I want to know that Jesus' coming is good news because the court is stacked in your favor. There is nothing to fear about Jesus' coming. There is nothing to be afraid of. If you're afraid, tell the devil to get behind you because Jesus is coming to rescue you. All the destruction that you see around you on this planet is not God's intent, and it's not God's work. It is Satan's work. You are witnessing what Satan enjoys doing, and that is causing misery, heartache, and death. This is not God's plan. God is coming here to stop Satan's plan. Because if he didn't, there would be no one left alive on planet Earth. Will Jesus come very quietly? 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. Jeremiah 25, 30 says, The Lord will war from on high and utter his voice from his holy habitation. He will war mightily against his fold. He will give a shout. Psalms 53 says, Chapter 50, verse 3, Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. As I told you, the idea of men in James chapter 5 that we read about in the beginning, well, something tempestuous means that it's not quiet, calm, and still. 
You know, I don't know about you, but one of my favorite things to do is hike in the mountains. I'm so glad I live in western North Carolina because I love hiking in the mountains. Something about my soul standing upon and looking out over the mountains or sitting by a mountain stream or waterfall, it, it fills me right up. It's good stuff. But tempestuous, friends, is the earth shaking, is very torn up. There's no peace in that. God is not going to come quietly. He has, how do I say this nicely? He has a beef to pick with the nations. He has, he has something he's going to say. Remember who he is. He is the creator of everything. So Jesus comes in, in a time when the earth is an upheaval. Men are still trying to make money in the upheaval of the earth. What other physical evidence will accompany Jesus' return? Revelation 16, 18 says, And there were noise and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a great and mighty earthquake. I don't know about you, but we've had some wild weather here in the past few weeks. And uh, yesterday, um, well, it was later, early in the week, uh, my wife went to get something out of the attic, and she noticed a little drip out of the roof. And that's never a good thing when your roof is leaking in a storm, right? It's a little disconcerting. So I got a bucket, and I put it up under the leak, and I called my friend Russell, who's a, a good, good guy, a good handyman, and, and we fixed it yesterday. Well, yesterday afternoon, man, we got deluged, right? We got deluged again, and I went and made sure the leak wasn't leaking, and it was holding. Praise the Lord, right? We need to hold through the time of the storm, friends. We need to plug the leaks. And plug the leaks is what I mean is plugging out the world. We need to plug out the world from around us, and we need to hold firm to Jesus Christ. And so it held. It's so important because earthquakes, lightning, storm, man, the trees were moving. The, the, the rain was pouring. It's running vertical. It's, does, does that sound like anyone's going to be asleep? I, I look forward to that, but it's also, I want to tell you this, I was sitting on the inside of my house. I felt a little safer, right, than, than being outside. But if you'd have told me I had to go outside and stand in the yard, that'd be a little more real, wouldn't it? We may be standing in the yard when, when Jesus comes. We may be feeling this, but I'm telling you, friends, he's got his hand over you. God knows his people. He's going to protect you. Who will see Jesus when he returns? Matthew 24, 30. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Revelation 1, 7. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye shall see him. No one's going to miss this. This is not a CNN, Fox News story, friends. This blows everything out of the water. Every human that is alive on planet at this time is going to be looking into the sky because Jesus is coming back. A sad part of this text that has always made me sad, it says, and the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man. I do not want to be in that group. Why are they mourning? I read to you why in James chapter 5. It's because their money 
is disappearing. Their yachts, their houses, everything they lived for is gone. Jesus did conquer. It's not what they wanted. How sad. Can, can a boat give you eternal life? Can a fast car give you eternal Can it bring you joy? Oh, you all know the temporary joy. Come on, the shopping high. We've all been there, right? We've bought that shiny object. You know, and it, it my kids can attest. They got more toys than they know what to play with. Soon you get that shiny object and you're like, oh, this is the most thing I've ever wanted. I'm happy now. Well, the next month you wanted another shiny object. Isn't that how it works? And suddenly the old shiny object isn't as shiny anymore, right? I mean, car manufacturers have to completely come up with new models, right? Because your old model, yeah, you don't, it's not, not as good as the new model. You know, we're trained this way. We're trained we have to untrain ourselves and realize that the only thing that matters now is Jesus Christ. That's all that matters. Every person alive will see Jesus. Who will be with Jesus when he comes? Is he coming by himself? No. Matthew 25, 31. When a son of man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit upon his throne. There is silence in heaven when Jesus comes. you know why there's silence in heaven? Because they're all coming to see us. Isn't that fascinating? Jesus is not letting the angel, He's like, listen, I've got, don't worry, I've got security taken care of. We're all going. We're all going. We're all going. You have a personal angel. We're all going. They're going to all come. Jesus, let me tell you something. He's coming because he has a purpose, and that's to rescue you. When you go to rescue somebody, if, if someone you love, if my child's in danger, I put everything on the line to save them. Everything on the line to save them. Jesus is going to put everything on the line to save you. That's why he's coming the way he's coming, because he's saying, oh no, you're not going to do that to my people. They've suffered enough. I'm coming back. Amen? It's a beautiful thing that all the angels are coming with him. And by the way, if you wonder about that power... One angel slew 185,000 soldiers in one night of the Syrian army. When Gabriel approached the, the tomb of Jesus, Satan was guarding it. Roman soldiers were guarding it. They fled like scared, scared beans. I don't know what else to say, but they were, they were scared, and they fled. And they were angry that they fled. They were compelled to leave. Our, our God is not weaker than our enemy friends. He is stronger. And he's coming to get us. The brightness of the Lord will return, but will, will pale in, in comparison to a hydrogen bomb or even the sun. The brightness of all of heaven's angels will make Jesus' second coming too bright for anyone to miss. Can you imagine the glow of that cloud when it gets near? Fan. Amazing! What will the brightness of Jesus coming do to the living wicked? 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 and 8. It says, And to give you who are troubled rest this with us when the Lord is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God 
2 Thessalonians 2.8, And when the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will come consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Does anyone else here, by the way, just so you know, reading your Bible, but you can, you can comprehend everything I'm saying here. When Jesus comes, there's going to be a period of awful silence. When the majesty of the scene hits the senses, even those of us who are saved are going to be quiet. It's a little much for us to behold. Amen. It's a little bit much for humans to take in. But our king is going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've endured to the end. Welcome home. The other side of that, friends, is worse. As his brightness nears, even though the wicked are stunned into silence, suddenly as that cloud gets near and nearer, his purity which is considered light, consumes them in their shoes. They, dis- they are consumed, it says, by the brightness of his coming. It's like an atom bomb when it hits. If you're around at the right time when that hits, you're just consumed. You're annihilated. You're gone. There's nothing to find of you whatsoever. That's the power of God when he comes. He does not want to consume anyone. He does not want to destroy anyone. But you see, light and darkness can't coexist. Do you understand? God wants everyone saved. God did not come to destroy. His brightness consumes sin. It literally consumes it. Without the blood of Jesus Christ, we have no hope. We would all be consumed. Praise the Lord. We can claim his blood and not be consumed. God is all-powerful. What will happen to the righteous who are dead at Jesus' coming? 1 Thessalonians 4.16 and the dead in Christ will rise first. Does anyone want to look forward to that day? At this point, since we have the dead in Christ rising, what happens to the, to the living? It says, And the dead will rise incorruptible, and we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Take note, no one is immortal now. Only God is immortal. So, but think about that. When he calls you forth from those that we love, those that, it hasn't been, it's been less than a year since I laid my mother in the ground. When, when Jesus calls forth, she's not coming back with the sickness she laid in the ground with, praise the Lord. She's not coming back all, all withered up and, 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 the, and the look of death on her face. That's gone, friends. It's gone. She's coming back to live with Jesus forever. And my mom was faithful. And the only chance I have to see her again is at this morning. I care to go home. There are many out there in this room who have suffered loss. There are many of you online who have suffered loss and, and lost someone or some, someone that was dear to you. I want to tell you, Jesus knows this loss, and he made provision for it. Death is but a small matter to a Christian because it's but a quick sleep. I've told my kids it's a finger snap. My mom has no record of time. Time has ended for her. The next thing she knows, the next thing she sees is Jesus. I'm going to tell you, though, 
as we get forward going on this, who's she going to be looking for when she comes up? You, your family, her family. Let's be real, friends. She's going to be looking for family. That's why we all need to, to encourage each other to get home. I don't want to look around and not be with my family. I know Jesus will wipe all tears away from her eyes, but I'd rather him not have to. That's, that's the honest truth. I'd rather him not have to wipe tears from our eyes. I can't wait, though, to be caught up in the air with the living. Whether I'm dead or alive, this is a good ending. Amen? Whether you live or die, this is a good ending. What solemn warning does Jesus give about his second coming? Matthew 24, 5, it says, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Matthew 24, 24 to 26, For false Christ and false prophets will arise, showing great signs and wonders, so as to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. Satan will impersonate Christ's second coming by appearing on earth as a glorious being, and he will deceive billions of people. Jesus has warned us that he will not touch the earth at all in his second coming, but rather he will remain in the air, the dazzling deceptions of Satan will be so convincing that most people on planet Earth will be deceived. Remember where Satan fell from. Now, Satan has made bad choices, but Satan was a beautiful angel in heaven. We haven't seen that beauty. Hollywood can't portray that beauty. But Hollywood is trying to prep you for this event. So when Satan comes, it is something that we have never seen before. Dear friends, think about it just for a moment. Anything could happen. But what if I played this scenario out? What if Satan came and COVID was really 10 times worse than it really was and killing millions of people? And Satan appears on the scene and heals everyone. Billions would follow him. Billions would worship him. He is here to deceive. Question, this is very important. This is really important. Would it be safe for me, I'm going to add a little bit here to this question, would it be safe for me as a very grounded, well-knowing, Seventh-day Adventist Christian to go see the false Christ. Matthew 24, 26 says, Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go for it. There is a saying that curiosity kills the cat. Dear friends, this is at a much higher level than just killing the cat. You will be dazzled by his brightness. You will be dazzled by him. Do not go forth. Do not go do not look at it. You think you're grounded. I might think I know. I can't trust my own heart. Jeremiah says, my heart is desperately wicked. I don't even know what my own heart says or does. Even when I think I do good, it's not always good. That's why I plead with the Lord. Lord, please take me from the inside and create something because I can't. I don't have anything in me. I'm no match for Satan. 
by myself. Does that ring true for you? You're no match for the enemy by yourself. But the enemy is no match to you with Jesus Christ. No match to you, friends. Don't go look at him. What can we know about the time of Jesus' return? I got to say this. With the events happening on earth, there's gonna, as they happen more, there's going to be more and more time setters. I heard uh, Y2K. I was alive at Y2K. I'm, I'm really old. I was alive well before Y2K. Um, but I remember a lot of people saying that the, the world was going to end at Y2K. I got some dried beans, some water, not much, but didn't know what was going to happen when all the computers flipped over. But he didn't come at Y2K. It wasn't 9-11. It wasn't the coronavirus. Dear friends, here's the bottom line. Does it matter what time he comes? Because your life is not a guarantee anyway. I could die today in a car accident. I could die uh, in multiple ways on planet Earth. I don't worry about that. I don't spend my time thinking about it. But the fact is, uh, today my, my number, my name could be called. So it doesn't matter what time it is. It says, so you also see all these things, know that even he is near even at the door. Dear friends, even at the door. I don't think anybody here can argue today that Jesus Christ is not coming soon because all the signs are lining up. If you choose to ignore the signs, a lot of people wonder, well, there's no way I could not be ready for Jesus to come. Um, as you notice with human nature, how you boil a frog is not when you put him in the water, you keep the water cold and you slowly turn the temperature up. And the frog gets used to warmer and warmer water until suddenly it's a little too hot and it's a little too late. Satan operates on the same principle. Satan wants us to get comfortable in the world. I, I, I've heard this on the media, the new normal. I don't subscribe to the new normal. I subscribe to Jesus Christ. And the new normal means nothing to me. But fact is, we get used to a new normal, whatever that really means, because that's going to keep changing as time goes on. There's things that might happen in my parents' day. Uh, my, uh, older generations look at newer generations going, wow, that didn't happen that way in my day. Well, it's a new normal. I mean, cell phones changed the, the, the normal life of human beings. Television changed the life of human beings. A lot of things has changed to a new normal, and we get used to each phase. We get used to. So there's no different for the end-of-time signs. We suddenly get comfortable with uh, COVID-19 or, or COVID-20, 21, 22. And, and suddenly all this happens and we get more desensitized and more desensitized because if we're focused on things of this earth, we will miss the coming of Jesus Christ. We will be in that group that howls when there's nothing left. So dear friends, now is the time to wake up and get ready for Jesus to come because at some time when COVID 2021 hits, that will be the last call. Jesus is calling us to wake up now, today, to be ready for him now, not tomorrow. It says, but the day and the hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but the Father alone knows this hour. The Father alone holds this as his own because he knows when the time is right. And by the way, the only reason God delays his coming, 
The only reason is he wants more people saved in his kingdom. The only reason God delays his coming is because he wants you home with him. We are living in a time of mercy. Praise the Lord for COVID-19 to wake us up because we are running out of time and he's trying to call us into a deeper, closer relationship with him. And that doesn't mean we're perfect. It just means we need Jesus. There's not enough perfection in us to meet him. There's got to be blood on our doorpost, and it's Jesus' blood. Only God knows the exact time. All date setting will fly out the window. Please don't follow those people. What will the angels do at Jesus' second coming? His angels will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Your guardian angel, Matthew 18.10, will probably be the first to greet you at Jesus' return. What a blessed thought. You know, there's a quote my dad has. I, I didn't look it up. That when you pass away, the angel marks your spot and guards that spot. I don't care if it's in the ocean. I don't care if it's in the depths of the sea. The angel has marked your spot and is waiting for you if you have died on that morning. And that is probably the first place you will see and the angel says, it says he gathers together. The angel knows everything about you. Praise the Lord. He spared my life how many times I do not know. And if I am faithful, my angel will be there. And he says, don't worry. I know where your family is. Follow me. Of not only to be an interpreter, a helper for us to adjust to a whole new life with Jesus forever. Because if our angel has been with us in this room today, they're sitting with you, you cannot see them. And, and in the car, when you're driving, they've protected your vehicle around you from accidents. I have been spared numerous times, and you have been spared times that you know of. And the angel's going to tell you times that you didn't know of. And those are a lot. Because the devil's a roaring lion, and he wants to destroy us. Think about the relationship now you're going to have with your very own angel in heaven. It's a warm thought to think that someone that watched over you on earth is going to be the first to greet you when Jesus comes. I can't wait. I know some of us have named our angels. I won't ask you the names. Those of you watching online, you can name your angel. But uh, I don't know what the language of my kids were asking me what the language of heaven was. And I told them some people say it's Spanish, but uh, I think it's a whole different language, friends. I think that that the heavenly language is going to be much deeper in expression than we can do here on earth. And uh, I look forward to that. I look forward to multiple deeper levels of communication in heaven. That's going to be a lot of fun. But your guardian angel is ready. Since we are living just before Jesus' second coming, how should we relate to this solemn, glorious event? Matthew 24, 44 says, Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when do you do not expect him? And this goes along with my frog scenario. How could anyone not be ready for Jesus coming looking at the world around us? I know a lot of you out there are thinking that. Well, obviously, he's going to come now. I'm going to tell you how human nature works. As things go back to some normal, we, we, we as humans desire to be back in our routines. 
We desire to be with our friends. We desire to be living a life again. And, and we accept, accept, accept like the frog. If we don't keep our eyes open continually, friends, we will miss it. It's not because God is hiding it from us. Another thing, because some events on earth we're not going to be able to miss. I agree with you here. This is another scenario, but before the second coming that you need to consider. This scenario is just as important. Because you may be wide awake. You may be seeing the signs. But if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then you're not going to be willing to give up anything on this planet. You weren't deceived. You were well-knowing, well-studied Seventh-day Adventist or any denomination Christian. You knew your Bible, but you were not willing to give up anything for Jesus Christ. That, too, could bar you from entering heaven. The question to ask now is, is it worth it? What are you willing to give up for heaven? What are you willing to keep on this earth? What matters to you most? Think about this. Uh, how will people be rewarded at Jesus' second coming? It says, Revelation twenty-two twelve. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Now, we all know you cannot work your way to heaven. I'm not even going to say that. But to his works, because my Bible says, by his works you shall know him. So that doesn't mean I, I worked, I can bring a report card to God and say, I did it. That doesn't work. What it means is, I've accepted Jesus so much to my life that I naturally do his work because I love him, and he rewards that because it's done through him and not through me. I can't do anything of my own. But he says, my reward is with me. We don't ask this question enough, friends, but the question is, what reward? I don't know. You know, if I, I tell my kids they're going to give you a, a, a surprise, they want to know what it is. Is that normal? Kids, um, we're going to do a surprise. Well, what is it? I mean, is the surprise worthy enough for me to do what you're asking me to do? That's really the bottom line question. I want to know, if you do this, I'll give you a surprise. <clears throat> well, what's a surprise? Because I ain't doing this if it's the rise don't measure up, right? I'm being honest with everyone out there today. I'm being honest with you watching. We want to know where the reward and risk are, right? Because then we judge, is it really worth us doing? And I think we as Christians far undersell this when he says, my reward is with me. Dear friends, Jesus has given you eternal life. He's given you a life without sorrow. He's given you a life without physical pain. He's given you a life without any financial worries. He's given you a life filled with joy. He's given you a life that measures with his. He's given you endless everything. The reward is worth it. We've got to consider the reward. Oh, no. I don't want you saved because you just wanted a reward. It goes together with the one who died for me. It goes together with the relationship. And dear friends, when you tie what Jesus did on the cross with the reward, that's a really compelling argument. Because I don't want to be in heaven without him. People will be saved by grace, but rewarded based on their conduct, not their profession. 
I can profess to be anything I want to today. I am a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Uh, I've been baptized into this church, but that can't save me. There's going to be a lot of people in the world. I see them out there now that love Jesus with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind. I don't know what religion they are, but I know they'll be in the kingdom. God takes the honest in heart. He looks past it. I'm not a judge. I'm so happy I'm not a judge. I let God do the judging because God's the one that does the saving. None of us are forced into heaven. None of us. What will the wicked say when Jesus returns? Oh, these are sad words. Revelation 6, 15 to 17. It says, And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man, said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us. Hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne. For the great day of his wrath has come. And who is able to stand? During this horrendous final earthquake, the wicked are petrified with fear. They would prefer the rocks and mountains to fall on them rather than face the king unprepared. Dear friends, I don't want to be in that group. I don't want my children to be in that group. I don't want any of the church members I know, any of those you should be watching online, I don't want you in that group. I might not even know your name, but God does know your name. I want to say this, heaven's big enough for all of us. Big enough for all of us. We're all on this earth together. All of us at this point in earth's history are suffering. Across this whole land, there's sadness and suffering at different levels from depression, alcohol abuse, sickness, disease, it's just compounded since this hit us. It's all building, dear friends, it's building what's left here for you. Nothing. Jesus is offering you all of it. You don't have to scream to the rocks and mountains, fall on me. You don't have to be in that group. By God's grace, no one will be in that group because Question 18 says, what will the righteous say when Jesus appears? It says in Isaiah 25, 9, it says, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him. He will save us. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. I know that you want to say, behold, this is our God. That's what needs to come out of our mouth. He has come in the nick of time to save us. And while the enemies, you can see planet Earth is in a tumultuous state. And while the enemies are aiming their literal weapons at us, Jesus says, no more. No more. I tell you, friends, I'm excited that my king is coming. Excited. What is the primary purpose of Jesus coming. I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also. I want you to think about that just for a moment. I, I could go into a whole other sermon on heaven from here. The purpose of Jesus coming is because he loves you. 
The purpose of Jesus coming is because he doesn't want to be without you. That's his purpose. That's why he hung on a cross. That's why he died. The God of the universe, the universe, not earth, not this little speck in, in the vast universe of the whole universe. He died on the cross. Angels were baffled at his love. He said, I want you with me. You know, it's said that he won't drink of the, of, he won't drink with his disciples. He said, I won't drink of this cup until you're with me in my father's kingdom. The cup was the grape juice. I love grape juice. Uh, most people I know like grape juice, but man, you get a good glass of grape juice. It just really hits the spot at times. And I've often thought, you know, Jesus must love it too. He made it. And one of his first miracles was making some of the best tasting grape juice anyone had ever tasted. I, I would have liked to have been at that wedding feast when Jesus made that grape juice. And he made that, he made that, but he says, I'm not going to drink this anymore. I love grape juice. By the way, Jesus loves grape juice because he says, I'm not going to drink it anymore. I'm going to abstain from it until I can rejoice with you in my kingdom. Because I want you home. And this is a symbol that I'm going to hold out because I want you home so bad that we're going to drink it together. I'm going to make a special batch for all of you. And then I'm going to be satisfied because he's not satisfied till you are home. A, a, a mother, a mother at, at a Thanksgiving table takes time to set the table and she has children, and the table's beautiful, the food is perfect, but it means nothing unless the family is there to eat it. Doesn't matter how fancy the table is, because if the mother made the table, set it, filled the glasses, and sat down, and her phone started ringing, and each child said, I'm not coming, I'm busy, I'm not coming, I'm busy, the mother would sit there and weep. The table set. God doesn't want to weep, and he doesn't have to. Because we have the choice to put a smile on his face. I really wish I could tell you everyone on planet Earth will accept his invitation. My Bible says they won't. But my Bible says he will see his reward and be satisfied. He will see it and be satisfied. He'll be happy he could save somebody. Anybody that will just accept his gift of love. And today at the second coming, the purpose of Jesus is the most thrilling purpose on earth. As he wipes away tears from our eyes because he wants to dwell with us and you forever. The table won't be empty, friends. It will be full. Our eyes will look down it at our king. It will be a glorious banquet. And there's room for you right now. Time is running out. Unless we decide to submit now, I want to tell you, through this crisis, you could be watching this two years from now, a year from now, we could be in heaven and this never be played again. I want to tell you, get ready now. What is our response to Jesus? He's coming in the clouds very soon. Won't you plan today, this very moment, just to say, Lord, take me as I am. Use me as you see fit. 
and save me in your kingdom. I promise you, friends, Satan cannot take you out of his hand. If you surrender to God, Satan has just lost the battle. Surrender to him, follow him, and fall, most importantly, in love with him. Recommit. Find that new love again. Look into his beautiful face. Then the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his love. Let's bow our heads. Dear Father in heaven, what a beautiful Savior who did not think it anything to come down, to take our form, to put all of heaven at risk, really all of creation, and to die for us because his heart just loved us so. Dear Jesus, we look forward to seeing you coming in the clouds, to leaving this earth of sin, sorrow, and sadness, and to sitting down at that banquet table and drinking that grape juice with you as you drink it again and are satisfied for what you did. Thank you today. We can't pay you back. We have nothing in our hand to bring. Simply to your cross we cling. May you now enter our hearts and prepare us all to meet you when you come in the clouds, to be ready to go home where there'll be no end. I ask and pray that you bless everyone that has heard this message and that you create a personal relationship with each person. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.